Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, November 5th, 2023, we continue our series titled, Knowing Jesus, the Gospel of Luke. Today's sermon, Jesus Over Everything, will be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager out of Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. Enjoy. If I rewind to a time when I was in high school, when I was in high school, it was the first time I encountered this thing called Texas Hold'em Poker. You ever played Texas Hold'em poker before? Uh, I don't like the game. It, it's, uh, it drives me crazy and it stresses me out. But we'd play this game and about 15, 20 minutes in, I'd realize like, I just don't like this. This isn't that fun. I'd be better off just donating $20 to my friends and calling it an evening. And unfortunately, early on in the game, I'd maybe have like a 2-7 offsuit. You don't know what that is. You're a better Christian than I am. That's good. Uh, I would have a, this, that's just a terrible hand. And I'd go all in. And unfortunately, early on in the game, I'd probably win, which means now I feel like I have to be a faithful steward of all this money that the Lord's given me. So I have to kind of make sure I play things the right way. And all game long, you're kind of left with this, okay, how much am I willing to put in? Do I want to keep some out? Do I want to put some in? How is this all really going to work? And for many of us, when it comes to following Jesus, we kind of play Jesus the same way we play poker. How much am I really willing to put in here? Um, Do I want to go all in on this or maybe I want to hold something back and I'll give a little over to Jesus and we'll see what he does with it. If it goes well and things work out well for me, then maybe I'll put more in. But here's the deal. When it comes to following Jesus, Jesus wants everything. Jesus wants us to go all in. That's what he wants. Jesus wants us to go all in, not hold some back for ourselves and just test and see what Jesus can do. Jesus wants us all in. And what we're going to see in Luke 9 today, that if that's our heart's desire, if we want to go all in with Jesus, it requires two things. One, it requires this, a heart that echoes the heart of God. If we're going to go all in with Jesus, it requires us to have a heart that echoes the heart of God. And then secondly, a heart and a desire that truly places Jesus over everything. Jesus over everything. So like I said, we're in Luke chapter 9. We're finally going to round out Luke 9 this morning. And we're going to be in verses 51 through 62. Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. We have two stories. We have a story about Jesus sending people into a Samaritan village. And then we have three individuals encounter Jesus with an intent to follow him. And we're really not sure of the outcome. Beginning in 51, it says this. When the days drew near for him, that's Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. You could think this as a, a statement of resolve. Jesus has set his face on the cross. From here on out, he is marching towards Passion Week. This also marks a transition for us in our study in the Gospel of Luke. If you remember the way we kind of laid this whole thing out, in the beginning of Luke, we were looking at ministry preparation. Jesus getting ready for his public ministry, his ministry preparation. Then the last several months, we've been looking at power. Jesus' power, it was miracle after miracle. Well, for the next several months, we're going to be looking at parables and preaching. It's heavy discipleship. This is what Jesus expects of his followers. And then towards the end, we'll turn to Passion Week. It's the actual death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. So we're really entering into an incredibly discipleship-heavy passage, discipleship-heavy section of the Gospel of Luke. And you'll probably notice some of that even this morning. And Jesus sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. Now, at face value, that might not mean a lot to us, Jesus just sending people to go reach out to another community, to them that would have meant a lot. 
Now, think Jesus' followers, predominantly Jewish, and God's people, they're the chosen people of Israel. God's people are Jews. There's this group of people called the Samaritans that the Jewish folks did not get along with. Let me give you a little backstory here because there was a little bit of drama. God told his chosen people, you're only allowed to marry God's chosen people. And God's chosen people said, that's great and all, but there's some other pagan ladies over here who are pretty nice, so we're going to venture out and dip our toe in the other water and try to figure this other thing out. So they went ahead and did, and did exactly what God told them not to do. So you had God's chosen people intermarrying with God's non-chosen pagan people and producing an offspring that was known as Samaritans. They were uh, half Jewish, they would often refer to them as half-breeds. They'd refer to them as uh, dirty. They'd refer to them as unclean. We could also just call them other. It was the people that these people just constantly rejected. They were outcasts, and they wanted nothing to do with them. Now, Jesus is the one who sends his people into a Samaritan village. It reveals a little bit of his heart. You might recall the story in John chapter four of Jesus and the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. John chapter four, verse four, it says, and Jesus had to go through Samaria. Actually, he didn't. What they would practice, they would go around Samaria so they never have to encounter these unclean people. However, Jesus has to go to Samaria. Why? Because there's someone in Samaria who needs his love. Now, here's what we're gonna see in this first part of this passage. I asked that question, does our heart echo the heart of God. We're going to see three aspects of God's heart here. If we're going to go all in with Jesus, it means our heart too has to beat the same exact way. And here's the first aspect of God's heart that we see here. God cares for the outsider. God cares for the rejected. God cares for the other. Okay, the people in our life that for whatever reason we've decided, like, I don't want to go hang out with them. I don't want to talk to them. Maybe it's because they don't look like you. Maybe it's because they don't live like you. Maybe it's because they don't vote like you. Maybe it's because they have a different um, worldview about their identities and gender identities or sexual preferences or whatever it might be. Our world is full of people that you and I have labeled other and therefore have rejected. Friends, here's God's heart. God loves and cares for the other. Doesn't mean we embrace what they believe. It doesn't mean we have to accept everything they believe. What it does mean, if God's heart beats for them, our heart beats for them too. That's the first part of God's heart that we see here. God loves the rejected, the outsider. He loves the other. So Jesus sends these messengers into Samaria, verse 53, but the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. Now, James and John's response here to Jesus facing rejection might be one of my favorite responses uh, that I've read in the Bible. Verse 54, and when his disciples, James and John, saw it, Jesus being rejected by these people whom they reject, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? That's hardcore. That's real hardcore. Like you may get cut off in traffic and you may like, but you're probably not gonna be like, Lord, consume them, right? Like that's not your heart, but that's their heart. That's what they want. And you gotta imagine in this moment, Jesus is kind of like, what did you just say? Do I want you to call, who do you think you are? Call fire down from heaven and consume them. You crazy? 
It reminds me of a time I took my boys, we were camping, hunting, I don't know, doing something way out in the sticks. And we were talking about things that can hurt them that are out there and things that can't hurt them that are out there. One of the things that can hurt you when you're out there are rattlesnakes. So I told the boys, I said, boys, if you see a rattlesnake, what do I want you to do? And Elijah, without skipping a beat, said, kick it in the face. I said, what? what? No. That's not what I want you to do at all. You're like not even close. Not even close. And, and that heart, that idea, that response that I had, I think is similar to this response that maybe Jesus had in the moment. Do you want us to call fire down from heaven and consume them? It says, but Jesus turned and rebuked them. I'm not sure what Bible translation you're using this morning. You might have a KJV, NKJV, and yours probably goes on and talks about what this rebuke may have looked like. Most modern translations do not. You might have a little footnote that says like three, four, I, I, or whatever it might say. Mind footnotes to what Jesus may have said. Now, this is something that was found in later translations of the earliest copies we have of the Gospel of Luke. The earliest copies that we have do not have what I'm about to say next. So here's what some of the early copies say. Some manuscripts add this. He turns and rebukes them and he says, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the son of man came not to destroy people's lives, but to save them. What's the aspect of God's heart here? It's not condemnation, it's salvation. It's not to set fire to them, it's to save them. Friends, if we're gonna have the heart of God, it means we take this heart to our own not condemnation, salvation. We read about it, John chapter three. Take your Bible, go to the right with me. John chapter three. Most of us may be familiar with John chapter three, verse 16, um, but verse 17 doesn't quite get the same love that 16 does. John chapter three, verses 16 and 17 say this. For God so loved the world. Who's the world? Everyone in it. For God so loved Everyone, all the people, the rejected, the outsider, the other, even the people we don't want to hang out with. For God so loved everyone that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I was on uh, Facebook this week just wasting my life. And there was a couple of guys who were arguing, because this is what real men do. They handle their problems on Facebook. Uh, and one of men who I know is a believer told the other man to go to hell. Now, that's maybe the heart of John and James in this. Do you want us to call fire down from heaven and consume them? Which sometimes is our heart, but that heart to tell someone to go to hell does not match the heart of Jesus. Now, do we know God to be a just God? Of course we do. Do we know God to be a God who condemns? Of course we do. But that's his job. Not mine. Not yours. Jesus came to save the world, not condemn the world. Neither should his believers, his representatives, his people, his followers. We shouldn't feel like it's our job to get out into the world and preach a message of con condemnation. We get out into the world and preach a message of hope, of love, gospel, peace, mercy, grace, that's the message we carry. We leave the rest up to God, amen? That's the heart of God. The heart of God is to save people. Verse 56, and they went on to another village. Now that doesn't sound like much, but if you go back to Luke chapter nine, verse five, this is exactly what Jesus told his followers to do. If they don't accept you, 
move on to a different place. If they reject you, just move on and continue living on mission. He's gonna say the same thing in Luke chapter 10, verse 10. If you arrive to a village, a group of people who reject you, don't just stay there and constantly be rejected. Move on and find someone who will listen. The third aspect of God's heart that we see here is God's heart is for us to live on mission. It's to keep on keeping on. If someone rejects you, we ought to expect that. Not all will respond to the gospel message, but we should move on and find people who might listen. And if they listen, then we're received and continue loving, continue leading, continue preaching the good news message of Jesus. If we are going all in, it requires two things. First thing it requires, if we're going all in, it requires us to have a heart that echoes the heart of God. It requires us to have a heart that echoes the heart of God. And secondly, if we're going all in, it means we need to truly believe and practice a lifestyle that has Jesus over everything. Jesus over everything. If we're going all in, then it's Jesus over everything. Here's what happens next. We're gonna see Jesus interact with three individuals and there's six principles I think we can glean from this. Jesus over what things? That's the question. Jesus over what things? We're gonna see six examples here, verse 57, as they were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. We just sang that. By raise of hands, how many of you actually did not believe it? I won't actually go anywhere, Jesus. I'll go to some places. I'll go to the comfortable places. I'll go to the people who like me. But I'll follow you anywhere? We sing that song quite frequently, and I don't think we really question what it really means in our hearts. Because that's the heart of this person here. Jesus, I will follow you anywhere. Verse 58, and Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You'll follow me anywhere? Dude, I got nowhere to live. You'll follow me anywhere? You're up for a pretty uncomfortable way of life. I mean, that's what we see. Jesus over what things? Jesus over comfort. Jesus over comfort. We've seen earlier in the Gospel of Luke that the way of Jesus is a way of suffering. Even the Son of Man who has a kingdom reign and rule that will never end had to go through suffering to get to glory. It's no different for his people. Our road to glory is paved with suffering. Jesus over comfort. Now here's what believers know to be true. You can look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of all comfort. Jesus is our comfort. Matthew chapter 11, come to me all heavy, weary, laden, and I will give you rest. He is the God of comfort. Isaiah chapter nine, he is the prince of peace. It's not that we can't have comfort or won't find comfort in this life, but our comfort is meant to be found in Christ and in Christ alone. It's Jesus over comfort. If we're gonna follow Jesus, go all in in Jesus, Jesus over everything. It means Jesus over comfort. He goes on to another, he said, follow me. But this guy said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. That's weird. We'll talk about that in a second. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus tells this man, follow me. And he says, I will. But first, let me go bury my father. And then I will. And Jesus says, no, let the dead bury their own dead. As for you, go preach the kingdom of God. Three principles we can have from here. Here's the first, Jesus over what? Jesus over family. Jesus over family. I thought family first. No, family first is idolatry. Because God says, if you put every, anything before me, that's idolatry. 
Family first does not lead you to have the family that God would have you. Family first leads you into a place uh, where someday down the road, you're living with a roommate, you find out you don't really love anymore and your kids have moved out of the house. That's where family first gets you. Jesus first. Jesus first and then everything falls underneath that. And notice it's not Jesus instead of family. No, Jesus first actually informs how we raise and lead family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And when we serve the Lord, those priorities and those things fall into place. It's not family first, Jesus first. And then things will fall into place the way God would have them. There's a second Jesus over in this guy. Jesus over culture. Jesus Jesus over culture. Here's where that comes from. There's that weird statement. Leave the dead to bury their own dead. Culturally, here's what they would practice. Someone would die in their family, and if it was a father or a mother, uh, a son or a daughter would typically sit in their dead parent's house for about a year in grief. They would just stay there. They would just sit in grief and mourn, and this is what was culturally practiced, and it was totally okay. But here's what Jesus is saying. Just because something is culturally acceptable, just because you can do it, doesn't mean you should do it. I'm calling you to something different. I'm calling you to something better. Just because you can, it doesn't mean you should. And our culture, friends, tells us there's all sorts of things we can do. All sorts of things. But just because we can do them, doesn't mean we should do them. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23 says, all things are lawful, but not all things are what? permissible, beneficial. Yeah, you can do it, but just because you can, it doesn't mean you should. Our culture advocates all sorts of substances that you can use. You can. Illegal, you can. Doesn't mean you should. Our culture advocates all sorts of uh, sexual satisfaction, sexual preferences. You can. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Jesus over culture. If we're going to follow Jesus, go all in with Jesus, it means we follow his way, not the way of our culture, not the way of the world. It's Jesus over culture. There's a third thing. He says, go proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus over what? Jesus over purpose. You have a new job now. Jesus over purpose. Go and preach the kingdom. Go and glorify Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, I love that clause because you can just fit anything in there, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Friends, that's our purpose, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. If you are in a relationship with Christ, you have a new purpose. Jesus over whatever you thought the past purpose was, this is the new thing. We glorify Jesus in everything we say and everything we do. Verse 61, he goes on, yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus over what? Jesus over priorities. Jesus over priorities. This is the second time in this text now. Jesus says, follow me. A guy says, I will, but first, let me go bury my father. Next person says, Jesus, I will follow you, but first, let me say farewell to my family. I'll follow you eventually. I'll get there, but first, got these priorities in line that I got to get figured out before I'm really going to follow Jesus. I had a kid in high school ministry back when I was interning in our high school ministry a long time ago. Uh, and he said, you know, I'm going to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. But first, I just want to build my testimony. I said, what? You know, I just want to kind of live some life and, 
see what the world has to offer and just kind of explore some things and do some things and feel it out a little bit. I'm gonna follow Jesus eventually though. And we, we gawk at that, but maybe it's, you know, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you once I get this career thing figured out. I'm gonna follow you. But first, I've gotta make sure my career is in check that everything is, 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 is working in the right direction for me. And, and, you know, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. But first, our kids' schedules are just bonkers. They're wild. We've got so many things going on. Jesus, I wanna follow you. But when our schedule calms down, then I'll follow you. No, there is no but first. He is first. We seek him first. We seek him. We seek his kingdom. Everything else will fall in line. It has to be Jesus over priorities. Sixth thing, verse 62. Jesus said to him, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Anyone ever run a plow before or even know what's going on here? Probably not. Um, here's what a plow is. It's the thing that would like, see, I don't even know what it is. You, you, <laughs> it's that thing you'd push that would cut a hole in the ground to plant seeds in, right? And in this culture, it's like a mountainous terrain. So here's what he's saying. If, you are, if you're gonna follow me, no one who puts their hand to the plow to do the work I've called them to do can look back anymore. It's Jesus over our past, Jesus over our past. Because here's what would happen. In a mountainous terrain, if you're trying to plow this mountain, mountainous terrain and you're looking backwards, you're probably not doing a very good job of the work that you've been called to do. This is what is true of us. Jesus over our past. Jesus has called us to fix our eyes on him, to look to him, to leave the old things behind. That's what the scriptures testify to. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, they're what? New creation. The old is gone. New has come. If you've given your life to Christ, it's a brand new you. The old person is dead. Now Christ lives in you. So if we're going to follow Christ and go all in with Jesus, it means no more looking back. No going back to the way things once were. No going back to the addiction you used to deal with. No more going back to that toxic relationship. No more going back. Eyes fixed forward. Let's go to one more place. Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two. We'll close with this. I'm gonna invite the band out as we're turning there. Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus. Where do we start? Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. Resolve. He set his face to Jerusalem. Friends, this is what God's calling us to do, to set our face on Christ. We set our face on Christ and we do not look back. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We look forward. We accept the new life that we have in Christ and we live the life he's called us to live. If we're gonna go all in with Jesus, not hold anything back, if we're going all in with Jesus, it requires two things, a heart that echoes the heart of God and a life that lives Jesus over everything. Jesus over everything. Now, I'm not sure what things you would put in that own blank if you were gonna fill that in this morning, but we're gonna give you some space and some time to do that this morning. 
Maybe there's some things you've been holding on to in your own life where it's, I'll follow Jesus when, you know, I'll get to it. You know, Jesus over, you know, I got some career stuff going on right now and, and right now my focus needs to be here. My focus needs to be here so I can get the job done. Jesus over, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe you've invested way too much time in something that's toxic for your faith. Maybe it's that. Maybe you'd fill that in the blank this morning. Maybe it's uh, you're just trying to get social media famous. I don't know where you're at this morning. Jesus has to be the priority. If we're going all in with Jesus, we need a heart that echoes the heart of God and a lifestyle that truly lives and desires Jesus over everything. So I'm gonna ask you guys to bow your heads, close your eyes. And we're just gonna give you some space, just some space to talk to God. Uh, I would encourage you now, maybe ask him this question. God, what have I put before you? What have I prioritized above you? Where have I grown complacent? Now, if you feel like God's putting something on your heart, I, w- I would ask you, just take the next couple of minutes, just talk with him, lay it at his feet. Express your desire to put him first, your desire to go all in. Your desire for his heart. Your desire to put Jesus over everything. We're going to give you a minute and then we'll stand together again and sing. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. I'm not sure where you're at in your faith this morning. Maybe that's your heart's desire is that today you would express your faith, your desire to trust in the Lord for who he is and what he's done, that he would take your heart and seal it for his courts above. If that's your desire this morning, maybe you felt God tugging on your heart this morning. Maybe you've had desires this morning to walk with him that you haven't felt before. We'd love to have a conversation with you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to point you in the right direction to take your next steps in following Jesus. There'll be a team of people in the back of the worship center by that giant glowing sign that says, follow Jesus. You really can't miss it. They would love to have a conversation with you this morning uh, and help point you to Jesus. We're also gonna have a a team of people down front, our prayer team, who would love to bring everything at the feet of Jesus. Jesus over everything. Whatever difficulty you're facing in life this morning, Jesus is sovereign over that. Why? Jesus over everything. Maybe there's a good thing going on in your life. Jesus is sovereign over that. Why? Jesus over everything. This team of people would love to minister to you, to pray with you, to love you. Friends, if our hearts are to go all in with Jesus, it requires two things, that our heart would echo the heart of God and that we would truly believe and desire Jesus over everything. Highlands Church, this week, would you get out there? Would you love each other? And would you go live on mission? We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.